one? All right, let's find our seats, guys, and get this show on the road. Oh, wow. Man, it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, I always look forward to being at home. Um, I'm always speaking other places, so it's good to see family. Can I get an amen? Uh, Mike and Callie send their greetings. They're enjoying some time away. Um, they all, we all need that time away. Can I get an amen? Um, just recently, my wife and I managed to take a date night for the first time since the new baby was born. That was nice. We, um, my sister, actually, she, she, it was a strange call. She goes, can I borrow your baby? Like, you want a what? But her new husband is wanting a baby, and she's like, well, we're going to just baptize him with fire here. We're going to find out real quick if he really wants a baby. I didn't think that was a good example. My baby's pretty precious. Lee, it's like false advertising, right? Like, no, nah, they're not all this sweet, I promise. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, let's get into the Word. Let's turn, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Um, so as many of you might realize, Easter is upon us. But what we actually celebrate in Christendom is Passover. Passover is the actual event. The Passion Week is where Jesus was crucified and was buried and resurrected. Um, Passover is a week-long festival. Or it's a feast, actually. It's, uh, this year it's going to be March 27th through April 4th. Um, I was thinking on that, and that's when God laid this on my heart. Freedom through the Passover lamb. Because I'm going to tell you, the church as a whole is struggling with sin condemnation. Can I get an, can I get an Amen. And I'm going to say something right now that if you're, you're new to Christianity, I want you to understand. Your God is not condemning you. He will convict you of sin. Can I get an amen? He convicts you of sin because he loves you. Sin has always and will always bear consequences. God's hatred of sin is born out of his love for you. Because sin destroys. Amen. So here we go with, actually I'm going to start with the original sin, because I'm going to have to get from Genesis all the way to the Passion Week. But as I'm going back to condemnation, listen, let me, let me explain the difference to you, and I want you to understand. You sin, you fall, let's say you're building the shed, you smack your thumb with the hammer, you set out some words you shouldn't have, and you throw the hammer across the yard and hit the dog. Amen. Now, if you hear that voice in your head, this says, you're a sorry dog, you'll never mount anything, go on, blah, 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 blah. That is condemnation. Can I get an amen? That is not from your God. He is not condemning you. Conviction, on the other hand, you're going to hear that sweet, still voice in your ear that says, why did you say that? And what did the dog do to you? That's God saying, okay, you shouldn't have said those words, repent of that, and go, go apologize to the dog for hitting it with the hammer. Amen. That's the difference. That's, condem that's the difference between condemnation and conviction. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is freedom from condemnation. Because you will never move forward in your relationship with God as long as you think He is condemning you and beating on you. Can I get an amen? You, have, you will not want to draw close to a God that you feel like is condemning you. He's not condemning you. He loves you. This so I'm going to start in Genesis. I'm going to start, I'm probably going to start reading about verse 7, but I want to get a paraphrase this a little bit for you. By the way, if you see me take my glasses on and off, I'm at that weird middle-aged thing where I need my glasses to see very far away, but I have to take them off to read stuff. I don't, I don't know. 
I passed 40 and stuff started breaking. I don't... <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I love you, Kenneth. <laughs> All right. So in this story, God creates a perfect man, a perfect woman, and sets them in a garden. I'm going to be honest with you, it wasn't a bad setup. All they had to do was run around this garden naked, tending the trees. There's worse jobs. Can I get an amen? Clearly, they weren't in Oklahoma because running around naked here would be a bad idea. We have chiggers and mosquitoes. We have mosquitoes that you need to harpoon, so it would be a bad idea here. But Satan enters this garden, and he tempts them. God said, I got a whole garden full of fruit you can eat. There's one tree. One tree you need to leave alone. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But isn't it just like our human nature? I mean, even as children, your mother can leave out six bowls of ice cream, and she says, don't touch the chocolate one on the end. Which bowl of ice cream do you go for? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's human nature. God created us. He knows it's your nature. But the, Satan tempts them. Eve partakes of the fruit, and she hands it to her husband. Now, bear this in mind. Adam was standing there. Can I get an amen? She handed the fruit to Adam. He willingly chose to eat of that fruit. Two men in the history of the world have stood on the behalf of the entire human race. Adam and Jesus. That's why Jesus is called the second man, the last Adam. These two men stood on behalf of the entire human race. So when Adam chose in that moment to sin, the entire human race fell with him. Now, I also want you to notice something here. Eve ate the fruit first. Her eyes wasn't open to sin. When Adam ate, it says their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. That's because that is when sin entered the human race was right then through Adam. All right, here we go. Then their eyes were both, both then opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Now, because I, we're getting this Passover lamb, and Jesus is about to show us a profound picture here. They tried to cover their own sin. Can I get an amen? They're like, oh, we're naked. We need, to, we need to do something about this. So they take fig leaves and sew them up. Personally, I think some poison oak would have been more poetic justice, but they make it use some fig leaves. Can I get an amen? They're trying to cover their own sin. I've done it. You've done it. We knew we were wrong, and we tried to find a way to cover it in and of ourselves. You can't. You can't. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. They hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So the Lord God called out to them, to the man, and said to him, Where are you? Now, I want you to know something else right there. He didn't call Eve, did he? He called the man and said, Adam, where are you? Men, we're, the, we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our household. Can I get an amen? And if you're not being the spiritual leader of your household, who do you think he's coming calling for? Amen. He calls Adam. He's like, where are you, Adam? I love Adam, but this was not right. You're going to hide from God, right? Come on, man. You did not think that through. We do it too, though. You're right. We do it too. And it's just as dumb when we do it. 
But Adam's trying to hide from God because he knows he's messed up. It's just like that little kid that's been snagging the cookies and he knows if mama catches him, he's about to get it. So he's hiding, right? He, Adam is absolutely expecting the worst right here for good reason. God told him, the day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Right, here we go. Then Adam says, he, he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I love God. So who told you you were naked, Adam? Uh, you know, she, she did. Whatever the case was, Adam knows. <laughs> Adam's like, uh, you know, God, God's got him pinned down here. He's got him nailed down. Adam, who told you? You ate from the tree, didn't you? The man replied, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. Amen. It's her fault. He's trying to blame somebody else still. Right. It's always somebody else's fault. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you this morning with any sin you're dealing with in your life. Stop doing it and stop blaming other people. Amen. Lord have mercy. You're never going to get anywhere in life as long as you're a victim and you're blaming somebody else. Can I get an amen? So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, it was the serpent, he deceived me, and I ate. So she's doing the same exact thing. To her credit, she is right, the snake did deceive her. But she already knew, God already told her, don't do it. She still made a free will choice to take a bite of this fruit. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you yourself are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. I'm just going to give some curses. But I want to go on down here to, uh, let me see, I'm trying to find out where, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read some of this because it is important. Because you have done this, you are more cursed than any livestock, more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head, but you will strike his heel. Hallelujah. This is pre-incarnate Jesus right here. He's painting a picture of himself, and even the stupid serpent doesn't realize it. Can I get an amen? The seed of woman is going to crush your head. You're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He's painting a picture that even the serpent doesn't realize is being painted. Then, he's, then he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains, and you will bear children in anguish. Hallelujah, I just didn't see that six months ago. That is a pretty frightening experience. Men, if you don't have to be in there to watch it, I'm just telling you, that is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. And the things that Megan called me, she did later repent of. I... <laughs> your, your desire will be for your husband, <clears throat> yet he will dominate you. And he said to Adam, because you have listened to your wife's voice and ate of the tree about which I command you, do not eat from, the ground is cursed because you, you will not eat from it by means of from any means by painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. Welcome to Oklahoma. And you will, eat the, you will eat the plants of the field. Adam then named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living things. 
The Lord God made clothing. This is what I want you to pay attention to. The Lord God made clothing out of skins for Adam and Eve, his wife, and he clothed them. In order for him to get the skins off the animal, what had to happen? The animal had to die, right? Because the wages of sin is death. Adam could not cover his own sin with fig leaves. Only blood could cover the sin. Jesus, pre-incarnate, you realize this is Jesus. This is pre-incarnate Jesus. And he said, not only is he painting a picture for the serpent, he's painting a picture for Adam. Adam, there's a blood coming. There's another day coming. You can't see it, but there will be a blood that will wash away your sin. He's painting a picture. He took this, he killed this animal, and with its skin, he clothed Adam and his nakedness. Can I get an amen? He's painting a picture. Pre-incarnate Jesus is like, Adam, I know you don't understand now, but I'm showing you a picture of something. I'm showing you a picture of something that's bigger than you can even wrap your brain around. Yes, the world is cursed right now, but I will come and make it right. You see, the Passover lamb didn't just start in Exodus. This is the first sin. This is the first sin. And God himself performed the sacrifice. Can I get in? He performed a sacrifice that man didn't even know how to do. God himself did it. Amen. You see, we read this story, and many times we're, we're too busy condemning Adam and Eve for their failure, but we don't see the beauty of the picture right there, that Jesus himself, pre-incarnate Jesus, walking that garden, said, I'm doing something for you, Adam. You don't understand it yet, but I'm doing something for you. The blood of the innocent paid for the price of the guilty. Can I get an amen? That's what he's doing. The sacrificial system, this is why I, I always maintain that people, people get this idea that the law, all of the law began with Moses. But the sacrificial system was in place before Moses. Can I get an amen? God himself instituted it here in the garden. It makes the story of Cain and Abel make a whole lot more sense for you. Because you can't offer grains you can't offer these things as a sin offering. Can I get an amen? You could give them as a tithe offering to God, but they cannot be a sin offering. It has to be blood. So God's instituting this system. I don't have time to read it, but in the book of Exodus, I, I wrote it down. I believe it was uh, it's Exodus chapter 12. I want to make sure that I get it right for you. Because um, I can't, I ain't got time to read it all this morning. We just don't have time. Israel has been in captivity. They've been in slavery. They've been in bondage for 430 years. There has been up to this point nine plagues that have hit Egypt. Can I get an amen? We're familiar with the story. Blood, water turns to blood. There's frogs. There's locusts. There's animals dying. There's darkness. God is fixing to unleash the last of the plagues, the worst of the plagues, and it will be the death of the firstborn in all of Israel. I mean, in all of Egypt, excuse me. Animal and human. There's something here that I've always wondered. I, like, I never hear it talked about. But you know, Moses was a physical man just like us, right? He's a guy. Do you realize that he was raised with Pharaoh? 
He and Pharaoh were raised together. Pharaoh's children would have been nieces and nephews like to, to Moses. He was raised with this family. Don't you know that it had to hurt Moses' heart a little bit to know what was happening? Don't you know he was like, Pharaoh, please just let us go. You don't want to push this any further. It had to hurt Moses' heart. Can I get an amen? He was human. It had to. Would have hurt mine. Would have hurt yours. But God, in this moment, is he's telling him, he's like, okay, this is the last and the final play. The death of the firstborn. But the death angel is going to be released in Egypt. And so God tells them, this is the institution of the law. This is the, this is the Passover feast that's about to take place. God tells them. Now, I want you to find a lamb, a spotless, perfect lamb. And you're going to have to kill this lamb. And he gives out the instructions how to do this. And you're to put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the house. You do notice God didn't say put it on the doorstep. Can I get an amen? You don't walk over the blood. You don't tread over the blood. You put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the house. And that's what will keep the angel of death away. That's what will keep the consequences of sin away. Can I get an amen? That's what he's doing here. He's protecting the house of Israel with, this, with the blood of an innocent lamb. Can I get a hallelujah or an amen that when Israel gets into the wilderness, we see, morally speaking, they probably weren't a whole lot better than the Egyptians. Can I get an amen? Honestly. They had as much sin in their life as the Egyptians. So God's like, listen, folk, y'all messed up. We're going to have to put this blood on the doorpost. This, in, this blood of this innocent lamp will protect you. Amen. And it did. This is the, and the other side was you were to eat every part of this lamb. Or burn it. That's right. Or burn it. There was not to be any left. There's some profound things being worked there. This is the physical law of what was started in the garden. Can I get an amen? It's the same, it's the exact same procedure and process. It's the blood of the innocent being shed for the guilty. See, no, 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 no. I don't want to go there just yet. Not yet. All of this is a type, a shadow, and a picture pointing towards Jesus Christ and the cross. Can I get it? That's where this is all going. He's painting a picture for his house, for Israel. There is a day coming where the blood of an animal won't do it anymore. There's going to be the blood of a lamb. It's going to be a perfect, spotless lamb without sin, without blemish. See, one of the things about the blood of animals, the blood of an animal could take away, it could, it could cover sin, but it couldn't take it away. Can I, does that make sense? Now listen, it's just like, you know, if I go to, if I go to visit one of y'all's house, let's say I go to visit Aaron and Young, and Young realizes I'm Aaron, and she goes, oh man, she sweeps some dirt under the rug so I don't see it, right? The dirt is still there, Young just covered the dirt with a rug. It's still there. The <laughs> Actually, last time I was at Aaron's house, I'm the one that made the dirt. 
If y'all never ground concrete, it's a mess. But, <laughs> but anyway, the point is, the dirt would still be there. Can I get an amen? It didn't go away. It's covered. Right. It was removed from God's direct line of sight. The blood on the mercy seat of the animal covered the sin. It didn't take it away. It just covered it. Now watch this in John chapter, John chapter 1, verse 29. This is John the Baptist. He's at the river baptizing people. And the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus hasn't fully unveiled who he is. Can I get an amen? John the Baptist sees him come and says, This is the Lamb of God. And then the profound statement that follows that takes away the sin of the world. He's not sweeping it under the rug anymore. He's fully, completely paying the price for this sin and dealing with it. You are allowing this morning the devil to beat you up over sin and failures in your life, sins that have been taken away and dealt with by the blood of Jesus himself. Can I get an amen? I think it's about time a church starts telling the devil to buzz off. Amen. He has got no room or authority to be tormenting you over past failures and mistakes. Can I get an amen? We are willingly submitting our peace of mind to a toothless snake that was beat at the cross. He has no real power anymore other than to be a nuisance to you. That's all he has. His power was stripped at the cross. And when we get to the cross, you're going to see how fully, totally, and completely he was stripped of his power. He's got nothing left other than deception. <laughs> mostly, mostly what the devil does now is he uses our own spiritual authority against us. He will get you to speak curses and death out so that he can work in that. That's why the power of life and death is in the tongue. Watch what you say, because the devil, the devil will work in that. Don't start saying, I've got the worst luck ever, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 because you're inviting misfortune into your life. More like, I'm a child of God and I am blessed coming in and going out. But like, devil, if you want to be cursed, have it. return to stamp it, return to cinder. Can I get an amen? All right, all right. Let's. So John the Baptist sees Jesus come, and this is a profound statement. Considering the time and place where this happened, this is a profound statement made in front of Jewish people. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That is a messianic declaration of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus is your Passover lamb. He's the completeness, the fulfillment of this feast. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. We live in a, we live in a Christian culture, a westernized culture now where where we don't even want to study any of these things. Like, no, but you need to study them because you need to understand exactly what Christ did for you. You need to understand how complete the work of Calvary is for you. When he said it was finished, folks, it was finished. It's over with. He did it. He completed the work. Jesus managed to fulfill in his lifetime hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. There can be no doubt he is exactly who he said he was. Amen. I love it when I hear secular scholars say, 
well, he was a good man and he was a good teacher, but he couldn't have been the son of God. Like, no, you don't understand. If he wasn't the son of God, he was neither a good man nor a teacher because he was a fraud and a liar and he was deceiving people. He either is who he said he was or he was not. You can't, Jesus Christ is the only man in history you cannot sit on the fence on. Can I get an amen? Because Jesus eliminated any ability you have to straddle the fence. He either is who he said he was or he's a fraud, one of the two. And he, pro he proves to us who he is. Throughout the annals of history, even Roman historians like Tactius that hated Christianity has to admit there was an empty tomb and they don't know how to deal with it. Amen. Jesus didn't do anything secretly. That's why I love Jesus. He's like, here I am. He walked with people after the resurrection. Well, that was a divine rabbit trail. Hallelujah. So, Jesus, from John chapter 1, he, he turns water into wine. He has these other miracles. And he eventually is working his way towards the cross. He's working his way towards Passover week where he is going to be the fulfillment of Passover. By the way, if you want to read a wonderful account, go to the book of John and read the story of when, when they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane because I love this. It's a, it's a side note, but I love it. Y'all have that things in the Bible you just love? So they show up to arrest Jesus. And Jesus goes, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, like he didn't know that. And he said, I am. Every man in the garden was knocked to his knees. I'm going to tell you the profoundness of what Jesus just said. When Moses was getting ready to go into Egypt, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? And he said, the burning bush said, you tell him I am that I am sent him. Right here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus does the same thing. The, your book will say, I am he, that he is an italicized, which means that he was not originally there. They added it. Jesus said, I am. And every man in the garden went to his knees. What a profound statement. Hallelujah. The living God in that garden proclaimed the same name he told Moses to proclaim in Egypt. I am. This is the same I am that killed the animal for Adam in the garden to cover his sin. Like We, we kind of get this idea that Jesus was born to Mary and that was his beginning. Listen to me, folks. That was the beginning of Jesus' humanity. Jesus, God, always was. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. When, when, Moses, walked with, when Moses walked with God on Mount Sinai, it was pre-incarnate Jesus. When God walked in the garden with Adam, it was pre-incarnate Jesus. He always was. Amen. So they're working. They arrest Jesus. You know about the kangaroo court trial. Caiaphas and they're like, actually, they make a profound statement. Caiaphas goes, remember when you said if we, you tear down this temple in three days, or we tear down this temple in three days, you'd build it up again? They're still mad about something Jesus said years earlier. I don't know how many religious people you know, but you make them mad, they don't forget it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why Jesus hung out with sinners. Can I get an amen? They're much easier to deal with. Y'all are good. Y'all just see some of the real religious crowds I deal with. I kind of like to, you know, poke them a little bit. It's like, hey, Megan, keep the car running. I'm going to have to make an exit. 
Megan usually warns me, like, be nice. I, go, I try. I, I try. Sometimes the spirit of smart aleck overtakes me, but I try. But they have kangaroo court here. They're beating Jesus. They're punishing. Now, I want you to understand something. What is happening here is deeply profound. It's beyond a physical beating. Can I get a, the Romans crucified people all the time. Can I get an amen? What is happening to Jesus is deeper and more profound than just Roman crucifixion. And don't even get me wrong, Roman crucifixion was bad enough. The Romans were a very, very cruel people. It, they were cruel and it was almost like a game to them. They enjoyed cruelty. Jesus is taking lashes on his back to pay for your healing. Amen. My healing. Beyond that, he is becoming sickness and sin and death, and he's taking these things into his own body. Because as I told you before, the wages of sin is death. Jesus knew no sin. In order for Jesus to die, he had to take my sin and your sin. Amen. He had no sin of his own. There was no sin to kill Jesus. He couldn't. So he's literally taking my sin and your sin into his body to die. This perfect, spotless lamb. That is profound in and of itself. Can I get a witness? That we don't even think about that part, but Jesus had no sin. He had no sin to die. He had to, he had to take your sin or my sin to die. Now, I've heard some things taught that it's like we want to believe that Jesus just died and he took a three-day dirt nap. That's not what happened. Jesus' spirit, according to listen to 1 Peter, I want you guys to write some of this stuff down because it's profound to read. It's interesting. 1 Peter 3, 19 through 20. Jesus preaches to the souls lost in the flood. You never hear that taught. But, but Peter tells us that. Amen. Jesus is preaching to the souls lost in the flood. Your God is a just, kind God. Can I get an amen? And those people didn't have, a, they just folks did not have a chance at salvation. So you know what Jesus did? He even in death gave them an opportunity. Amen. He went and he preached to those souls. Colossians 2, verse chapter 2, verse 15. He made a show of the devil openly. I love this one. That is a Roman military term where they lined up both armies and the defeat, the, the winning general ripped the medals and trophies off the defeated general and stomped them in the dirt. Now put your mind at work at there. Jesus lined up the, the devil, death, hell, and grave and ripped them, stripped them of their medals, their trophies, and their keys. Amen. He made a show of them openly for all of heaven and hell to watch happen. Amen. Man, that's your God. That's my God. Revelation 1 and 18. He took the keys of hell in the grave. He literally took the substance of death. The sting of death was gone. He took the substance of it. All that's left now, as the book of Psalms says, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. All that's left is a shadow of death. The substance of death was taken. Amen. Jesus took the substance. Hallelujah. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. 
I figure if I'm going to tell you to go there, I should get there too. Amen? I'm real bad about doing this, and I just keep talking. It's like, oh, man, I've got all you guys waiting on me somewhere. Jesus, by this point, is crucified. He's been in the tomb three days. Sweet Mary is on her way to the cemetery to anoint his body. Amen. Because I want, I want to read through some of this. I want you to see the completeness and the fulfillment of what he did. Let's go to... Well, let me see. I think, I'm gonna, I think I want to start about verse 17. But I want you guys in your own time to go back and read this account. Let me see. Nah, I think I want to... Let me see. Yeah, it's going to be 17. Because I, I, I want you to see something that Jesus says here. No, I think I want to back up a little bit. So Mary is, Mary's come to the cemetery. She finds an empty tomb. Can I get a witness that if you've recently buried one of your relatives and you show up and the grave is open, that's going to be a bit upsetting. Mary is upset. She's very upset. And she's wanting to know where they've moved him. She sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's a gardener. And so she's like, please, sir, if you've moved him, where did you put him? She's just distraught, right? We would be. I would be. And he said, woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who's it you're looking for? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have removed him, tell me where you, you put him and I will take him away. But then that moment, Jesus said, Mary. Hallelujah. In that moment, Mary's eyes was open. Can I get an amen? Can you imagine? In that moment, Mary's come to a cemetery to see a dead man, and he's standing there alive and well. And I imagine Jesus is like, I told you. But Jesus is kind. and he, I see Mary fall on her feet. My God and my king, you're alive. Jesus, but Jesus does something interesting here. He says, don't touch me, for I've not yet ascended to my father. Now, we know that that's not an, he doesn't do this. Every encounter after the resurrection. Why? Because later on, he tells Thomas, Thomas, put your hand on my side. Touch the holes in my hand. This is a one-time thing. He said, because I haven't ascended to my father. Jesus is doing something here. This is in the moment where your sin was eternally dealt with. Because in the, under the old covenant, the blood of a lamb was put on the mercy seat the place between the Shekinah dwelling place, the glory of God, and man, the blood of the animal was put there for the cover of sin. Amen. And in this moment, you understand that everything that God gave Moses to build was a temple of what was already in heaven. So in this moment, Jesus is like, I'm fixing to ascend unto my Father. And what Jesus does when he gets to heaven, he puts his blood on the mercy seat of heaven. Your sin was eternally washed away. In that moment. Eternally. There's no reason for you to be being beat up over sin. Can I get an amen? I just proved it to you. He is the fulfillment of Passover. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. I know they say they don't know who the author is. I'm telling you it was Paul. We'll just not, don't argue me. It's Paul. Neither by blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered the holy place once 
having attained eternal redemption for us. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. He entered the holy place, cleansed the heavenly utensils, put his blood on a mercy once and for all, covering your sin. When your heavenly father looks at you, he sees you. Michael, last week we talked about rose-colored glasses. He sees you through the rose-colored glasses of the eyes of, of Jesus' blood. Can I get an amen? He sees the righteous, holy blood of Jesus Christ himself. You do not have to take any more condemnation from the devil. You are, you are in the eyes of God the Father. You are as righteous and holy as Christ himself. So if you fall down, you dust yourself off, you get back up, and you keep moving. Amen. Amen. For some reason, when we fall down, we like to roll around in the mud for a little while. No, get up and dust off and go. Personally, I like to find the devil and throw a good haymaker at him. Go find me somebody sick and get them healed or something. I like that devil. Go put that in your pot and smoke it. One time, y'all going to laugh at this. One time, Megan had to take me to the emergency room at TMC. I was pretty dizzy and sick, and they had, they had me sitting out there in a wheelchair. And the more I sat there, the madder I got. And you have to know my personality, but I'm getting mad. Before I'm done, I'm up walking around the waiting room praying for people, and people are getting healed in the waiting room at TMC. It's like, hey, devil, go put that in your pipe and smoke it. Bet you won't try that again. Amen. Finishing up, guys. Listen. If you're going to move forward in your relationship with God, you're going to have to deal with this issue of condemnation. I'm not telling you that you won't make slip and make mistakes and fall because you will. Until we get to heaven, until we're glorified, we're still flawed beings. Can I get an amen? We make mistakes. All of us do. All of us do. But the point is, when God the Father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ himself. You do not have to wallow in the mud. Let's get up. Let's dust ourselves off. And let's apologize. God, I'm sorry. I messed up. Maybe we need to go apologize to each other. I probably need to apologize to Young. Talk about dirt in her house, huh? I love you, Young. But we, we apologize, we get up, and we move on. Can I get an amen? Now, as I'm finishing up, what I don't want you to ever think I said that I did not say in this because I got a balance thing. I never told you sin did not matter. Can I get an amen? Because sin matters. I'm not saying you have a license to go sin, which Lord knows we never needed a license anyway. But you'd be surprised the nonsense I hear from religious people. You really would. I did not say sin does not matter. Brother Ed back there, me and Ed are good friends. You know, if me and Ed got mad today and we decided we're going to rob the bank, we want some more money, can I get a witness that Jesus Christ would forgive Ed and I for our sin? But can I also get a witness that the president of the bank would probably not be nearly as forgiving? The sin does bear consequences. What I'm saying is, though, You are so completely, totally, and perfectly forgiven, you need not waller in sin. You need not walk in the path of condemnation, but instead walk in the path of righteousness. Walk in the path of grace. Can I get an amen? Jesus extended grace where there should have been wrath. Amen. He took my death and your death and exchanged it for his life. 
That's where we are. That's who we are. And through this, we can extend. This is from here how we learn to extend grace and forgiveness to spouses and to children and to other people. Amen. Because we realize how forgiven we truly are. Right? All right. Every head on. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just going to make this quick this morning. This forgiveness I've been talking about. Aaron, would you mind playing something, brother? It doesn't matter what, anything. This forgiveness I've been talking to you about is a free gift. Jesus offers it to you. He says, the requirement is this. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was born as a virgin, he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on the cross for your sin. That's how easy this thing called forgiveness is. You have a God that didn't want heaven without you. So he came to earth that you could, that you could come with him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. If you don't know him as Savior this morning, but you want to, raise your hand. Let me walk you through this prayer. We'll all pray together out loud and publicly. Amen. All brothers and sisters in the house. Good, good, good. Next one. If you find yourself struggling with condemnation, you're beating yourself up and the devil is beating you up for sins that are already covered under the blood. And you want, you want grace. You want to walk free of this condemnation and you want to walk in the wholeness of what God has for you. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we, we thank you, Father, for the gift of Jesus, the gift of all gifts. Father, we thank you for forgiveness and grace. We thank you that you paid a price that we didn't have to pay. Father, I pray that you show us, truly show us with Revelation, Father, just how forgiven, just how cleansed we are. Father, I pray that you wrap each and every one in this room with your love. That we see just how deep and true and pure your love is, Father, and just how pure your forgiveness is, Lord. You extend forgiveness as a free gift to us. We don't deserve it. We thank you. We thank you that you wanted, you didn't want heaven without us, but you wanted us with you. Father, I pray that this week, as we get ready to enter the Passover season, Father, I pray that we have a divine revelation of you. A true divine revelation of just how amazing you are and your love is. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Hey, prayer teams, you can go ahead and come on up. I guess that we have prayer team this morning. Hmm. No kidding. Oh. Well, if somebody wants to if somebody wants to come up and pray, there are folks over here that will pray with you. Folks, these are godly people. They are anointed to pray. 
Come partake. Listen, we all need support. We all need brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. You guys are dismissed. I love you guys.